0: Chapter six of The Mother's Recompense by Edith Wharton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Anne Fletcher, Richmond, Tasmania, two thousand and twenty one. Chapter six Kate Clophane lay awake all night thinking of the man who had been too shy to come into the box. Her sense of security, of permanence, was gone. She understood now that it had been based on the idea that her life would henceforth go on just as it had for the two months since her return, that she and Anne would always remain side by side. The idea was absurd, of course. If she followed it up, her mind recoiled from it. To keep Anne for the rest of her life unchanged and undesirous of change? The aspiration was inconceivable she wanted for her daughter the common human round no more but certainly no less only she did not want her to marry yet not till they two had grown to know each other better till kate had had time to establish herself in her new life so she put it to herself but she knew that what she felt was just an abject fear of change more change of being uprooted again cast once more upon her own resources no she could not picture herself living alone in a little house in new york dependent on drovers and Trestletons, and on the good fred landers for her moral sustenance to be with anne to play the part of anne's mother the one part she now saw that fate had meant her for that was what she wanted with all her starved and world-worn soul to be the background the atmosphere of her daughter's life to depend on anne to feel that anne depended on her it was the one perfect companionship she had ever known the only close tie unmarred by dissimulation and distrust the mere restfulness of it had made her contracted soul expand as if it were sinking into a deep warm bath now the sense of restfulness was gone from the moment when she had seen anne's lids drop on that secret vision the mother had known that her days of quietude were over anne's choice might be perfect she kate cliffane might live out the rest of her days in peace between anne and anne's husband but the mere possibility of a husband made everything incalculable again the morning brought better counsel there was anne herself in her riding-habit aglow from an early canter and bringing in her mother's breakfast without a trace of mystery in her clear eyes There was the day's pleasant routine, easy and insidious, the planning and adjusting of engagements, notes to be answered, invitations to be sent out. The habitual took Mrs. Clefane into its soothing hold. After all, she reflected, young men don't run away nowadays from falling in love. Probably the whole thing had been some cryptic chaff of the youth with the football face, Nolly indirectly might enlighten her. Indirectly, for it was clear to Kate that whatever she learned about her daughter must be learned through observing her and not through questioning others. The mother could not picture herself as having any rights over the girl, as being under that roof anything more than a privileged guest. Anne's very insistence on treating her as the mistress of the house only emphasised her sense of not being so by right it was the verbal courtesy of the spaniard who puts all his possessions at the disposal of a casual visitor Oh, not that there was anything in anne's manner to suggest this but that to kate it seemed inherent in the situation it was absurd to assume that her mere return to john cliffhane's house could invest her in anyone else's eyes and much less in her own with the authority she had lost in leaving it. She would never have dreamed of behaving as if she thought so. Her task, she knew, was gradually, patiently, to win back, of all she had forfeited, the one thing she really valued, her daughter's love and confidence. The love, in a measure, was hers already. Could the confidence fail to follow?' Meanwhile, at any rate, she could be no more than the fondest of lookers-on, the discreetest of listeners, and for the moment she neither saw or heard anything to explain that secret tremor of Anne's eyelids. At the Joe Tresselton's, a few nights later, she had hoped for a glimpse, a hint. Nolly had invited mother and daughter, with affectionate insistence on the mother's presence, to a little evening party at which someone who was not Russian was to sing, for Nolly was original in everything. The Joe Tresseltons had managed to lend a freshly picturesque air to a dull old Tresselton house near Washington Square, of which the stable had become a studio, and other apartments suffered like transformations without too much loss of character. It was typical of Nolly that she could give an appearance of stability to her modern furnishings, just as her modern manner kept its repose. The party was easy and amusing, but even Lilla Gates, whom Nolly always included, took her tone from the mistress of the house, and, dressed with a kind of savage soberness, sat there in her heavy, lustreless beauty, bored but triumphant. It was evident that though at Nollies she was not in her element, she would not for the world have been left out. Kate Clefane, while the music immobilised the groups scattered about the great shadowy room, found herself scanning them with a fresh intensity of attention. She no longer thought of herself as an object of curiosity to any of these careless, self-engrossed young people she had learned that a woman of her age however conspicuous her past and whatever her present claims to notice is fated to pass unremarked in a society where youth so undisputedly rules the discovery had come with a slight shock then she blessed the anonymity which made observations so much easier only what was there to observe Again, the sameness of the American face encompassed her with its innocent uniformity. How many of them it seemed to take to make up a single individuality! Most of them were like the miles and miles between two railway stations. She saw again, with gathering wonder, that one may be young and handsome and healthy and eager, and yet unable, out of such rich elements, to evolve a personality her thoughts wandered back to the shabby faces peopling her former life she knew every seam of their shabbiness but now for the first time she seemed to see that they had been worn down by emotions and passions however selfish however sordid and not merely by ice-water and dyspepsia since the americans have ceased to have dyspepsia she reflected "'They have lost the only thing that gave them any expression.' Landers came up as the thought flashed through her mind and apparently caught its reflection in her smile. "'You look at me as if you'd never seen me before. "'Is it because my tie is crooked?' he asked, sitting down beside her. "'No, your tie is absolutely straight. "'So is everything else about you. "'That's the reason I was looking at you in that way.' "'I can't get used to it,' he reddened a little, as if unaccustomed to such insistent scrutiny. "'Used to what?' "'The universal straightness. You're all so young and—oh, and so regular. I feel as if I were in a gallery of marble masterpieces.' "'Oh, as that can hardly apply to our features, I suppose it's intended to describe our morals.' "'he said with a faint grimace. "'Oh, I don't know. "'I wish I did. "'What I'm trying to do, of course,' "'she added, abruptly and unguardedly, "'is to guess how I should feel "'about all these young men, "'if I were Anne.' "'She was vexed with herself "'that the words should have slipped out, "'and yet not altogether, sorry. "'After all, one could always trust Landers "'to hold his tongue, "'and almost always to understand.' "'His smile showed that he understood now. "'Of course you're trying. We all are. "'But as far as I know, "'Sister Anne hasn't yet seen anyone from her tower.' "'A breath of relief expanded the mother's heart. "'Ah, well, you'd be sure to know, "'especially as when she does, "'it ought to be someone visible a long way off.' "'Oh, it ought to be, yes.' the more so as she seems to be in no hurry he looked away but don't build too much on that he added i learned long ago in such matters to expect only the unexpected kate Clifaine glanced at him quickly his ingenuous countenance wore an unaccustomed shadow she remembered that in the old days John Clefane had always jokingly declared, in a tone proclaiming the matter to be one mentionable only as a joke, that Fred Landers was in love with her, and she said to herself that the lesson her old friend referred to was perhaps the one she had unwittingly given him when she went away with another man. It was on the tip of her tongue to exclaim— Oh, but I didn't know anything then. I wasn't anybody. My real life, my only life, began years later. But she checked herself with a start. Why, in the very act of thinking of her daughter, had she suddenly strayed away into thinking of Chris? It was the first time it had happened to her to confront the two images, and she felt as if she had committed a sort of profanation. She took refuge in another thought that Lander's last words had suggested, the thought that if she herself had matured late, why, so might Anne. The idea was faintly reassuring. "'No, I won't build on any theory,' she said, answering him, "'but one can't help hoping she'll wait till someone turns up good enough for what she's going to be.' "'Oh, these mothers!' "'he laughed, his face smoothing out into its usual guileless lines. "'The music was over. "'The groups flowed past them toward the little tables "'in another picturesque room, "'and Lilligates swept by in a cluster of guffawing youths. "'She seemed to have attracted all the kindred spirits in the room, "'and her sluggish stare was shocked with provocation. "'Ah, there was another mystery.' No one explained lilla, everyone seemed to take her for granted. Oh, not that it really mattered, Kate had seen enough of Anne to feel sure she would never be in danger of falling under lilla's influence. The perils in wait for her would wear a subtler form, but as a matter of curiosity and a possible light on the new America, Kate would have liked to know why her husband's niece surprising offshoot of the prudent cliffanes and stolid drovers had been singled out in this new easy-going society to be at once reproved and countenanced lilla in herself was too uninteresting to stimulate curiosity but as a symptom she might prove enlightening only here again kate had the sense that she of all the world was least in a position to ask questions what if people should turn around and ask them about her since she had been living under her old roof and at her daughter's side the mere suggestion made her tremble it was curious and she herself was aware of it how quickly unconsciously almost she had slipped at last into the very attitude the Cliffanes had so long tried to force upon her the attitude of caution and conservatism her glance in following lilla caught fred landers and he smiled again but with a slight constraint instantly she thought he'd like to tell me her whole story but he doesn't dare because very likely it began like my own and it will always go on being like that whatever i'm afraid to ask they'll be equally afraid to tell well that was what people called starting with a clean slate she supposed would no one ever again scribble anything unguardedly on hers she felt indescribably alone on the way home the mere feeling of anne's arm against hers drew her out of her solitariness after all she had only to wait THE NEW LIFE WAS BUT A FEW WEEKS OLD, AND ALREADY ANNE'S NEARNESS SEEMED TO FILL IT. IF ONLY SHE COULD KEEP ANNE NEAR ENOUGH. DID YOU LIKE IT, MOTHER? HOW DO WE ALL STRIKE YOU, I WONDER? THE GIRL ASKED SUDDENLY. AS KINDER THAN ANYTHING I EVER DREAMED. SHE THOUGHT SHE FELT ANNE'S SURPRISED GLANCE IN THE DARKNESS. OH, THAT! BUT WHY NOT? IT'S YOU WHO MUST TRY TO BE KIND TO US. I feel as if we must be so hard to tell apart. In Europe there are more contrasts, I suppose. I saw Uncle Fred helping you to sort us out this evening. Oh, you mean you caught me staring? I dare say I do. I want so much not to miss anything, anything that's part of your life. Her voice shook with the avowal. She was answered by a closer pressure. Oh, you wonderful mother! I don't believe you ever will. She was conscious in Anne mysteriously of her tension answering her own. Isn't it splendid to be two to talk things over? The girl said joyously. What things? Kate Clefane thought, but dared not speak. Her hand on Anne's, she sat silent, feeling her child's heart tremble nearer. End of chapter six.